welcome to a life of education's podcast it's caroline and i are here this time again for the third time we've got steve cronin on this time steve's come in to speak to us about hydration we've had him on previously talking about personal finances but we're gonna sidestep all of that today and focus a bit more on physiology and your day job essentially your uh hydration tests so for anybody watching on screen you can see all this funny little uh science lab that we have going on here um so steve we've spoke we've introduced you before but you want to go briefly through this pathway how you ended up knowing how to do all this and uh, then talk us through it sure so i wear a couple of different hats when i'm not talking about personal finance i am also um, running a physiological testing business here in dubai and um, <coughs> the background is i i studied physiology and psychology at, at Cambridge and I really um, after over a decade in, in banking I really really missed the science side of things and so I, I got back into that um, around 2010 and uh, and I remember the, the way I got into hydration I was at some sports science conference in Europe and I overheard someone talking about sweat sodium testing i thought wow i live in the middle east this is the surely the best place to do sweat sodium testing because there's a lot of people doing triathlons and ironmans and then there's the military there's firefighters uh, they're sweating a huge amount and uh, surely this is the place where if you're going to have problems with sweat loss sweat balance then uh, this is the place to test people. So I, I went to England and I, uh, I trained myself up on this. And I think of, of all the physiological testing I do, um, hydration is the, is the thing that I like the most. And uh, it's really nice to be able to help people as well. So I've, I've worked with probably hundreds of triathletes now. And, and it's always fantastic when I, I get a little note back saying, oh, I'm not cramping anymore. Thank you so much. Because training for triathlon is very hard, right? You, you're training 15 hours plus a week. You're getting up, at the alarm clock goes up at, off at 4 a.m. And uh, it, it's pretty tough when you're doing that for six months. And then if you, if you DNF, or you do not finish because you're curled up on the side of the road with cramps, it's pretty miserable. You've just wasted that six months of training. So anything to help people avoid that is good. Yeah, cool. I did a marathon here two years ago, no, in 2016, whenever that was, and pulled up 10Ks out with cramp, just complete shutdown. Um, I don't quite know if it was a hydration sweat issue or if it was just gross under preparation because the w I hadn't completely understood the uh, the difficulty of un undertaking a marathon. So I know I suffer from cramp a lot. We met a few years ago. We did one of these. I can't remember what my results were, but there was you, you gave me some advice on some of the um, the milligrams of sodium to, to, to take, which I didn't know anything about right. at the time. So I think that'll be worthwhile digging into that when we get going. Um, when you talk about the triathletes, like, do you see a difference here between the, the, the athletes here and the athletes in other countries in their sweat and in the effect that sweat has on their performance you you don't tend to see a difference in in the physiology i think there are there are some hypotheses as to whether emiratis sweat differently because generations have been brought up in the desert 
Um, but I don't think we've tested enough of them to, to have any kind of scientific proof of that. But uh, when you say differently, do you, would they sweat less? Are they more well effective? The, the, so the, the question is, A, do they sweat less? They probably do sweat less because they are used to the temperatures and the extremes of temperatures. Um, but when it comes to the composition of their sweat, how much, which is a bit more genetically programmed, how much sodium do they lose in their sweat? Um, there's a huge variation across, across normal populations, like tenfold variation. And if you're losing a lot of sodium in your sweat, that's w particularly that's when you have problems. So um, we we see a pretty typical variation in the because this is a massive expat country. There's people of all different nationalities here, and um, so we see that that variation. It's more that because this is a particularly brutal, hot environment. Um, and people, you know, especially doing a, a triathlon, are going to be out here, you know, maybe six, ten hours sometimes. Yeah. Um, you're going to be hitting your physiological limits. So you might do a 10k and have no cramping problems at all, but when you try a marathon and then an Ironman, at some point you're going to hit your limits. And uh, some people get a bit cocky and they're like, my body's a machine yeah. and mm. uh, I, I don't need any supplements. I barely need any water. And uh, especially military people can be a bit like that sometimes. And, and then one day they'll just massively hit their limit and realize that, yeah, you do need to plan for these things. Mm -hmm. So, so if, any, if anyone's planning for an Ironman and, uh, and gradually increasing their the length of their races, then you really need to start thinking about proper supplementation just to avoid any nasty surprises on the day. So I have a question, just going back to the, the testing, can you explain to everybody what this sodium test actually is and what it encompasses and what it tests? Sure. So uh, there's two main drivers of sodium loss during, uh, during sweating. The first would be how much you sweat. Okay, and this is driven by, uh, firstly, your physiology, but also what are you doing? Are you, are you going out running? Are you sitting at home? Are you doing Bikram yoga? And then also, um, are, you, uh, are you used to being in very hot temperatures? What's the temperature outside? So, so all that affects your, your sweat rate. Um, and you can do a sweat rate test very easily. You would um, weigh yourself in in the morning let's say before doing one hour of exercise and then weigh yourself immediately after and uh, the weight difference is how much you have lost in your sweat so if you've lost one kilogram in weight you've pretty much lost one liter of water of sweat yeah, you just crushed water. a lot of people who think they're losing their body fat <laughs> mm. <laughs> unfortunately and that's just for one hour of exercise if you if you measure it for longer then yeah other confounding factors start to come in um because you're you know you're you're depleting the glycogen out of your muscles and, and other things so if you exercise for a longer period of time yeah then yeah. it's not just so much about sweat loss but if it's if it's a, a one hour study and you should do that under lots of different conditions like morning evening hot running cycling even swimming that shows you what your sweat loss rate is and that's a useful thing to know so if you had one liter if you had one kilo difference your sweat loss rate is one liter per hour exactly, exactly. Gotcha. uh 
Because one liter weighs one kilogram. True. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you've if you've drunk a liter of water as well, then uh, and you've lost one kilo in weight, then you've effectively lost two kilos of sweat. So you need to track your water intake as well. Yeah. And uh, and try to avoid peeing because that can like, mess everything up in terms of weight. So so just keep it nice and simple. That's a very useful test for understanding how much water you're going to lose. And you are never going to be able to put back in during a race the amount of water you lose. Uh, the uh, the regulatory bodies like the, the American Academy of Sports Science and, and, and some of the others used to recommend that you had to try and replenish all the water you lost. But now uh, that seems to be too much and it's just it's just very, very difficult to do. And you don't want people drinking too much water. So, so therefore, um, it's good to know what your sweat loss rate is, but you can't expect to say, okay, I lose a litre an hour or two litres an hour, half a litre an hour. I have to drink a litre an yeah. hour to replace it. It's just good to know if you are running a 10-hour race, how much you think you're going to lose over that time. So, so that's, the, that's the sweat loss mm -hmm. rate test. Okay. Okay. The, the second test is what we're going to do on Caroline today. Oh. <laughs> Lucky her. Um, and that's the sweat sodium test. Mm -hmm. So um, if you think of it as two, two <laughs> dimensions, you can have... <laughs> you can, you For can those people listening, I just started drinking loads of water. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's drinking about hydration. Talking about hydration makes you really thirsty. I get the same thing. I'll probably be having a glass of water myself. So there's there's two dimensions to, to sweat sodium loss. There's how much you sweat and how salty your sweat is. So we've talked about how to measure how much you sweat. We're now going to measure how salty your sweat is. And um, as I said, there's like a tenfold variation between different people, which is huge, huge range. And... Um, uh, if you if you lose a lot of sweat uh, salt in your sweat, so your sweat is very salty, and you sweat a lot, and you do triathlons, you're going to have problems probably, and you should be really thinking very carefully about your supplementation with electrolytes. If you're not so salty, it it doesn't matter so much, but you might still be sensitive to cramping. The thing about cramping is it is a bit mysterious and no scientist will say we have definitively pinned down yeah. what causes cramping. There does seem to be an element of muscle fatigue. There does seem to be um, an element of dehydration and sodium loss. Um, there may be some other electrolytes involved as well, but um, primarily uh, I focus on, on sodium loss so people who find that they get cramps, especially later on in the races, where they just start to get twingy and then over time it just gets worse and worse and worse and builds up. Um, they are often the people who have sodium-related problems. That's what I would experience. Yeah. And they, the good news is that they are the people who, who can usually be cured either complete prevention so they're supplementing enough, they don't get hit during the race by cramps. Or um, one of the, the miracles of, uh, of taking sodium is that you can just blast your cramp and after five minutes of being curled up on the side of the road, 
if you take a couple of strong sodium tablets, really, it's that quick. You can, yeah, the body absorbs sodium very, very quickly and very efficiently. You can, uh, you can be up and running again and steaming past the person who gave you the electrolytes on the side of the road. Mm. Yeah, uh, one thing I want you, you mentioned, uh, there may be some other electrolytes to consider. What else is considered an electrolyte? So uh, the main ones would be sodium, potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Okay. We we focus on on sodium because uh, it's the one that you can deplete your body's reserves of the fastest. So um, if you look at a typical recommended daily allowance of sodium is about four thousand milligrams, and uh, the average person loses about a thousand milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat. So that means that if you if you were if you lost a liter per hour of sweat and you ran for four hours, you could completely deplete your recommended daily allowance of sodium. Right. And the body's not that good at storing sodium. So it can store it for about twenty four hours. Where does it store it if that's not a too big a question. Yeah, well, it's a, that's a good question. So, so um, we are to to go all the way back from an evolutionary perspective. We are descended from fish uh, that lived in the sea, which is a hugely salty environment. And to to move into fresh water and to move onto the land, we had amphibians, to reptiles. Yeah, yeah, we mm -hmm. had to recreate this salty environment inside of ourselves so our blood is actually very very salty it has about uh, 3200 milligrams per liter of sweat and it's okay. per liter so it is very salty and um so so the uh, there's a lot of sodium in your blood anyway um and and we have three different fluid compartments in our body so we have intracellular inside the cells and then we have uh, extracellular which is the fluid bathing the cells in the tissues and then we have the blood and of the m of these three the most important ones are the intracellular to keep the cell machinery working and the blood obviously to to maintain blood pressure now what sodium does is it has a couple of really key roles in the body so firstly um, it it drives nerve conduction so when your brain is telling your muscles and your legs to start running it's a, a changes in sodium all the way down the nerve all the way down to the muscle that is is passing on that message to uh, to force that muscle to contract um, and and that's why when you get low sodium problems, it seems like you start to get problems with that nerve transmission, okay. and that can interfere with cramps. the The second aspect is that sodium controls uh, blood pressure and, and blood volume and fluid volume in the body, um, and blood pressure and blood fluid volume is obviously really crucial to maintain during exercise. And and so um, your your sodium levels will dictate how much uh, fluid you have in your in your blood, and and the sodium also uh, 
follows the the water when you when you are excreting through the kidneys if you go on a night out on the town and you're drinking a lot of alcoholic drinks or even just drinking a lot of water you're going to flush that sodium through your kidneys it's going to be excreted in your urine and then it's going to contribute to your dehydration and your hangover mm -hmm. the next day and that's that's partly why we get these big cravings for salty foods when you're when you're drunk mm. is because you're trying to replenish the the sodium that you've lost when you're when you're when you peed it all out so uh sodium plays a really crucial role in the body and um Potassium and magnesium and calcium are all important. Yeah, I wanted to get to the potassium because yeah. I've read I've read a lot about when you have too much intracellular fluid and you have your cells are swollen, so to speak, that drinking potassium compound salts can help to diminish the amount of inflammation that your cells are, are taking in. Is that true? Is that a correct kind of summation of the whole sodium-potassium kind of dance that they play yeah it's it's uh it's certainly it's certainly possible i think the question is what does you know cellular inflammation mean you know like where where are you storing mm. like excess water in your in your i think in your in relation to what i was reading it it had to do with with healing and predominantly talking about <coughs> that um most most of our chronic problems come from inflammation mm. um, and diminishing the body's inflammatory response or can diminish that. Does that make sense? I'm not really adequately sure. <laughs> versed in this to talk a lot about it, but it's something that I read and something that I found quite interesting. And then in relation as well to what you were talking about, um, about blood pressure, mm. now I'm going off on a different topic. Yeah, no, Is yeah. this, because I wanted to know, when people have too much sodium, does that mean that they have high blood pressure? I was going to ask you the same thing. Okay, yeah. great question. Um, there is a there is a, a risk that if you have a tendency towards high blood pressure, and then you take a lot of sodium, that you could exacerbate the problem. And certainly, um, having very high sodium diets is not good for you. Um, it may possibly in the long term cause high blood pressure problems. There's not definitive evidence on this, like there isn't on anything really. Yeah, um, <laughs> great. But um, <laughs> it can also cause stomach cancer and things like that if you're if you're in very, very high sodium diets. I find a lot of people, um, especially uh, women, very concerned about sodium and bloating. And uh, if, you, if you look at these bottles of mineral water, some of them say, zero percent sodium and they're, and they're advertising that fact where we live especially in the middle east where it is hot and sweaty uh sodium is your friend and mm -hmm. and to, to bring it back to the sport side of things um sodium is absolutely your friend because you are sweating you're losing sodium um it's it's a it's a really vital element for the body and uh you do need to supplement so i've seen people top sports people who have started eating very clean and just eating kale and sweet potato or whatever and not getting enough sodium and then starting to literally black out one of my clients is just a pass out yeah one of my clients is a was a, a rally biker 
So he was doing like uh, uh, huge, you know, the Dakar rallies out in Africa and, and just on a motorbike for nine hours in a day. And he would literally black out because he didn't, um, he didn't have enough sodium. So he was eating a very clean diet to try and get healthy, but he just wasn't having enough sodium and and it will cause you problems. So I would say if you if you are literally doing no exercise and you sit around having lots of sodium supplements is not a great idea. But if you are doing sport, especially if it lasts longer than say 90 minutes and it's outside, then you absolutely need some kind of supplementation. Um, so what I suggest is maybe uh, this this test will take maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah. Why don't we get started? Yeah, and let's, we do can it. See let's do it. Let's do it. Your sweat physiology. Yeah, and we can let's figure do this. Out how much <coughs> you need? Um, just quickly before we start, I just wanted to ask you for those people who who may not know, um, why is hydration important? And what is everyone knows? Oh, I have to drink water. I have to drink eight glasses of water. But can you tell us why? What is it? Why is it so important? So people can really understand. Sure. So um, I would say there's two different aspects to that. There's just normal life and then there's when you're exercising. So, you know, our, our body is a huge percentage uh, is made of water and, and water is very necessary for, for all the chemical reactions. And um, being dehydrated tends to stress your systems. And when you stress your systems, the body is designed to cope with some level of dehydration but um, sometimes some of those cap coping mechanisms can use chemical pathways that generate you know, less than ideal um, byproducts yeah byproducts um, or may just use up more energy um, and and just being dehydrated in general your skin's not going to look so good your brain may not be so focused and uh, so so maintaining good hydration is very important how much do you need to drink you don't really need to drink more than, say, two liters of water a day, especially if you're having a healthy diet, you're eating lots of vegetables, there's plenty of water in, in food. Um, I find that older generations, like my parents, it's almost impossible to ever get them to drink a glass of water, even when they come to visit me in the Middle East. And, and, and they will just happily drink you know, a cup of coffee in the evening, and that's about it. Um, but definitely, if you want to have a healthy life, then water is very important. When you are exercising, water becomes even more important because while a bit of dehydration is okay, you don't want to be super dehydrated and you don't want to start exercise being dehydrated. That's very important. If you start being, uh, being dehydrated it's and then you start exercising, it's almost impossible to get enough water into you during exercise to rehydrate yourself and kind of almost get back to your baseline. So um, that's why hydration is very important. When you're exercising, um, blood fluid volume becomes important for a couple of reasons. Firstly, the blood has to deliver oxygen to the muscles so that you can move. If you have a nice big blood fluid volume, then there's plenty of blood that can be pumped to your muscles and it can deliver oxygen. If you start to um, have blood volume problems, your body will ruthlessly prioritize where it's gonna send the blood and where it's gonna send the oxygen. Um, and it will send it to the brain, it will send it to the lungs, 
muscle is not important mm-hmm. yeah. and you will literally stop or fall over the 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 other aspect of having a nice big blood fluid volume is that the the blood can then be pumped to your extremities into your skin and then you can cool down through evaporation and through sweating if you if you get dehydrated there's not enough blood to send it through to the skin and so again the body will prioritize the key organs but you will lose a major ability to cool down and actually we've seen firefighters who get dehydrated their their body temperature can go up very rapidly and and dangerously because we're losing one of the main mechanisms for cooling down so that's why i didn't know that so essentially you get more dehydrated exponentially the, the more dehydrated you get, the rate goes up because your blood can't get to the surface of your skin yep. to then get rid of the heat yep. so the body retains the heat yep. and then get more dehydrated. Yeah, so so you will, your body temperature will go up very yeah. high. And um, the, body, the body is pretty good at maintaining its levels up to a certain capability. And then if you push past that, then things start getting very badly wrong. So if you drink far too much water, or you drink not nearly enough water, then you're going to get into real problems. Now, let's be clear, doing doing a marathon or doing an Ironman is an extreme situation for the human body. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, and therefore, you're much more likely to come across these situations where you just push beyond your body's capability to maintain, everyth- maintain everything in the right... For me, when I'm running situation. like that and I get super hot, because we're training during the summer here quite early in the morning, my brain just shuts down. I just get a headache, I get dizzy. That's my signs of dehydration, first and foremost, when it's just super hot. My brain just... I feel like hungover. Just, just throbbing, dizzy. Did my pace slows down? I'm like, oh, I need to stop. This is just. Yeah. I'm getting no overload through my my legs. I just need to stop and go home. You have to understand what your body is telling you. That's the most important thing, um, and that's the point of training. Whether you're just drinking water or you're taking supplements, is to test out how you feel and learn to read what your body is telling you. So if you're if you're getting headaches. If you're starting to get headaches, you're starting to get a bit crampy, then you know that you need to do something about it. Um, so that's a crucial element of training. So should we do the test? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So what we're going to do with this test is we are going to put a chemical onto your skin called pilocarpine. And what this does is it triggers your sweat glands to contract and you'll sweat in a little circle mm-hmm. for about an hour. So it's a clever little test, and it's actually um, used on small babies, so you should be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Should be. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too painful or anything like that. Um, And it's used as the diagnostic test for cystic fibrosis, because people with cystic fibrosis, they have very, very high sodium levels, much higher than anyone in the normal range of, of normal humans. And so that's the test that they do on babies. And um, Can you explain to everyone what cystic fibrosis is? Sure. So uh, cystic fibrosis is, is quite a nasty disease, actually. And it's a genetic disease where you, uh, you have a problem um, with uh, your membranes and, and the ability to transport calcium across membranes. And um, what it leads to is, is a big buildup of mucus in your lungs and other problems and and over time that can really uh, cause you huge 
huge problems, uh, especially with breathing. And, and unfortunately, people with cystic fibrosis, certainly in the past, didn't tend to live past 30, 40, 50. Um, oh, yeah. I, I thought it was much younger in the past, and they're getting to that age now. It's, it, it's, getting, it's getting better yeah. all the time. Um, and you know, there are potentially gene therapies and other things that can help. But uh, it's still, a, it's still a, a difficult disease yeah, to, sure. to, to manage. Um, because in other respects, you're, you're totally fine. Like mentally, you're totally fine. Uh, so you're stuck with a slightly defective pair of lungs, but you can you can diagnose it with with this test, and then um, the company that I work with that developed this test, uh, it's called Precision Hydration, and they've repurposed this test for the the sports community, and uh, so let's get started, and then I'll tell yeah. you the story cool. of that. All right. So what do you need? Do you need do you need me to hold that mic for you? I'll just hold it there, and you yeah, can sort of explain what you're doing. I'll keep an eye on. And then just speak as loud as you can, Steve. Yeah, so you can tell everyone who's just listening what's what's going on, what's happening. So what you've got? You got two. You got a red red circle. So what we're doing here is we're putting the putting the electrode on. On Caroline. Yeah. So there's a small little disc-shaped pad being strapped to your forearm, connected to a, a white wire that's going into like a, what looks like a 1980s scientific connect <laughs> connected <laughs> connection box yeah. a classic white lab plastic okay i did so this here's a few the, here's the the gel that's the pilocarpine gel and then we're just attaching the black electrode now so then there's a so what the red one is the magic one or the black one is uh the red one is where the uh, the sweat is going to be coming out of okay there we go i did this a few years ago caroline it will just get a little bit warm oh. on your skin. You've done this before. Yeah, me and Steve did this. Very cool. Three or four years ago. Is that it then? We just wait? So what was your result when you did this? I can't remember. I think I just got a middle range recommendation for the sodium. Because um, Steve had this, this 500, there's 1,000, there's 2,000 milligram mm. tablets here. You can take that one back. I think I, got, I, think I just had to take the 1,000 one and then we just... We just overdosed it because I did have a history of cramp and the oh is it five ten and fifteen hundred so yeah so so the um just just on this test uh mm -hmm. we're gonna run a small electric current mm -hmm. through you for f about five minutes now has it and started yeah yeah so I think I can you feel might it. feel <laughs> a very slight tingling but you've been you've been brave and uh, no it's not it's actually not painful <laughs> at all no, right no, you no. can't feel anything very Give much me your phone there, um sorry yeah tell me that okay so um the the way that this whole system came about is that oh we're taking photos on yeah. a podcast now <laughs> okay yeah it's quite an unusual thing to be strapped into a machine um uh, this guy, Andy Blow, he was a professional triathlete and uh, he was very successful. But every time he went to Kona in Hawaii, which is the big Ironman in Hawaii, he would just completely wipe out. And he was getting very frustrated as to what was going on. And it turned out that his sweat sodium level was really, really high. So if the average person loses just under a thousand milligrams per liter of sweat, he's losing... 1800 
right? So it's 80. Set out those numbers again. He, so, so the average person loses 1,000. He's losing 80% more. He's losing right. 1,800. A day? Um, per liter of sweat. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so for every liter, his sweat is, is 80% more salty mm. than a normal person. Um, so he's right up the top end. And that explained why when he was going to a very humid and, and sweaty country <laughs> that he was just completely failing in his triathlon. And so he started taking quite strong electrolyte supplements and, and it fixed him. And, and he was like, wow, you know, I really need to bring this to the masses. And so what they have developed is, is a range of electrolyte supplements that are a lot stronger than what you usually see in the shops. But it's actually what people need if they are doing triathlons, right. Ironman, endurance, or if they're operating in really hot countries because you're losing so much sodium that you simply can't keep up. If you think the average person loses a thousand milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat, and then a typical electrolyte solution might be 125 or 300 milligrams, so like 10% or 30% of what you're losing per hour, you're just gonna rapidly build up a deficit, especially if you're running for four plus hours. And so you, uh, you really need something stronger. Um, and uh, so what they, what they developed was these different ranges of, of tablets here where you, you have 250 milligrams per liter, 500, 1,000, and then 1,500. And uh, so this is the, is the top end. So right. if you think, if you remember, he's losing 1,800 milligrams per liter of sweat. And uh, this is 1,500 milligrams. And that's just like an effervescent tablet that you drop yeah. into your water. So, so yeah, you can get them as tablets or you can get them as powders. Um, and uh, the powders now are, are completely like vegan friendly and everything. And Fantastic. Uh, um, <laughs> How, what were they before? Was <laughs> there like a fish in there? Yeah, there's or? half a dead cow in there yeah, as well. I know. Wh like whenever no, no, I, see <laughs> I see supplements that say vegan, it's like your calcium, where are you coming from anyway? Yeah. So sometimes, uh, interestingly, like sometimes calcium can come from shellfish. Oh. And so, <laughs> um, you know, probably from the, actually the shells themselves. Mm. So, so, so these days, it, you know, it's so important to be 100 vegan. Um, calcium you can a get it from. You can extract <laughs> it from plants. A rock. Yeah, you get it from a rock safely, <laughs> probably. Yeah, exactly. From Dover yeah. and yeah. the chalk, uh, the chalk cliffs of Dover. And um, so, so this is, you know, this is a stronger supplement than you get almost anywhere else. But this is what people people need and we'll talk about the roles of the different uh, the different levels i think you gave me the orange one here the thousand before i went to vietnam yeah which is a that's a good kind of medium yeah. medium level and and what you would use these for um you would use the the 250 for background hydration so for example if you were sitting in your garden and you're just feeling a little bit dehydrated you can pop it in there or if you are flying, so we have a lot of pilots who use this. You know how like dehydrating it yeah. is to be on an airplane. Yeah. It's pretty grim. And uh, somehow I feel you can, you can never have enough water on an airplane. And um, if you take an electrolyte solution, then um, it can just keep your, your sodium levels up. Because in the aircon, it's very dry in there. You're actually sweating, you're losing sodium, you're getting dehydrated. And this will just help you to um, have enough water. Can you just hold this for me? Sure. 
Oh, so this little machine beeped. Oh, is that because I took... Do you want to tell people what's happening? So what's happening here is that uh, you will start sweating in this little... Patch. little circle here. Does it feel warm? Um... At the time that I had the little the little patch on, I felt definitely that little oh, I remember this electricity guy. bit. So you're putting on a little plastic disc almost, but there's little uh, there's a little mini tube in there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, I remember this. So there's like a sp I don't know how you'd explain that. <coughs> there's a there's a little tiny tube being strapped to Caroline's arm. Um, that's going to then, it measures the sweat that comes out or it absorbs the sweat so that comes so out? So what's happening is is that uh, this is called a macro duct and it's a, it's a coiled tube. And as the sweat comes out of your arm, uh, through capillary action, it's just going to get sucked into the, into the tube and coil around. And then in 5, 10, 15 minutes, we'll be able to remove that and you'll just have a little tube full of your sweat oh amazing <laughs> yeah and uh, it should be a blue color as well is it coming out um, yeah we'll see it takes a it takes a little a little while to get going so we'll, we'll we'll come back to that so the um for the different strengths um this this background hydration especially for for athletes who are traveling to a race well, in fact, anyone who needs to be on the top of their game when they land, if they've got a race the next day, it would be crazy to turn up dehydrated. And so this background hydration is good for that. Or even if you're in the office, again, offices are really dehydrating as well. And um, it's it's useful if you are doing uh, some kind of big training event in yeah. the evening. Um, you might be doing a brick if you're training for for triathlon so you might be doing a, a, a cycle and a run um, then you can drink this in the office to stay hydrated um, also on the plane lots of people like to have to, to have the, the wine the, the beer the booze heavily dehydrating there and then you've got to get off and then you've got to act you've got to find your yeah. way around the new city and all it's that it's not a good idea um it's very tempting to have a glass of champagne and, you know, when you're taking a selfie of yourself in yeah. business class or whatever. Um, but really, moderation is, is the order of the day. You don't want to get drunk on, a, on an airplane. I wanted to ask you, so you were saying earlier on the uh, there is potential that the sodium deficiency affects your nervous system, which then causes the muscle cramp. Mm. How long does that take to recover? Is that a quick fix with sodium, that actual like sodium replenishing the, the, the nervous system sheath. Or if you're dehydrated going into a strength session where you might not necessarily be thinking, I'm going to sweat. Hmm. But if you are dehydrated and your nervous system is lacking in sodium, how is that going to affect an actual strength session where you need your nervous system to be at 95, 100% output? I think uh, you'd have to be fairly severely hydrated, dehydrated for it to really okay. impact you. But we're talking about marginal gains here, right? If you if you want to be on your peak form, then absolutely you should be hydrated before you do anything. Mm -hmm. a, a big factor of of strength and lifting is is muscle fiber recruitment, and that is all done through your nervous activity through the nerves. And if you uh, 
if you can recruit muscle fibers more easily because you're properly hydrated, yeah. hydrated and everything's working properly, then even better. Like, so you, it may not give you an advantage, but mm -hmm. it's, you don't want to be starting with a disadvantage. Yeah, you're working at full capacity. Yeah, exactly. Because I think people always associate hydration with just water. They just look at it as, I've, I don't need to drink water, I don't sweat. <laughs> so we're just looking at there again. It's turning blue. So I'm pleased to see that uh, Caroline is sweating nicely and, and we have a In nice little blue. Uh, yeah, blue so now it just looks like a little blue worm. <laughs> coming out, out of the of middle of the disc exactly. and going around the circle. Well, it's about a, about the size of a two-pound coin on your on your forearm. For anybody who knows, a, a, a coin. Exactly. So, um, so this is for background hydration. the The next two would be for a kind of go-to training um, hydration, depending on how salty your sweat is and what your activities are. So, the five hundred. Again, that's quite useful if you're if you were going on holiday in Sri Lanka and and it's a bit sweaty and you're going on a little trek, it's quite useful for that. Or if you are working in the gym, or if you're doing Bikram yoga, you could uh, you could take this solution. It's you don't want to be taking a sodium solution that is stronger than you need, and that's why we do this test. I, I would never say, oh, everybody take the strongest strength because there's no point in over-supplementing. Is, so is there any ill effect of that if you didn't know or if you got it wrong, if they only had one on the shelf and you needed to buy something? No. no, not really. It's just, I mean, over super long term, if you were taking far too many of those tablets, I'm talking like crazy levels, yeah. um, then, then you're not going to feel great. Um, the, the the biggest thing that's going to happen is that if you if you literally took six of those of those top level tablets immediately, um, so you're getting close to seawater in right. terms of sodium concentration, then you're going to feel about as good as if you drank some seawater, right? I.e., you might be sick, um, you might have an upset stomach. Um, but you know and nothing else is going to be that bad you're just not it's just not going to taste good you're not going to feel good but you would never Where consciously take that number of tablets how many milligrams of sodium are in sea is in seawater sea um it's uh yeah you're testing me now it's 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 very high i mean it's <laughs> above it's above the blood level so it's yeah, but yeah. i i would say it's about three and a half four thousand milligrams okay but so it could easily be above that. you know when when you watch those movies and people are always saying when you're dehydrated never drink don't drink seawater that's yeah. obviously real <laughs> yeah absolutely real okay. yeah because uh it will just put too much sodium into your into your body system and of course too much sodium if you eat a really salty burger or something salty fries yeah you you want you get thirsty because you want that liquid and you um, want the water to dilute the yeah, sodium yeah okay. exactly because uh, your body wants to maintain your sodium levels within a very narrow range so that it can control your blood plasma volume and so so it can control everything and and if you are putting too much water into your system or you're putting too much sodium into your system then you start to have problems um, now, interestingly, uh, a strong electrolyte solution is actually more hydrating than water. So people tend to think that water is like the most hydrating liquid you could possibly drink, but it's not actually true. Because if you go back to us being descended from fish 
and have, we are pretty much like walking bags of seawater. And and if you pour uh, a liter of of pure water into your body, your body's like, whoa, this is really disrupting my systems here, and it's diluting the the seawater effectively. And um, and it will just push everything out through your kidneys, and you'll just pee it out. So you're intaking higher water, not intaking any sodium. So the ratio of water goes up in relation to the sodium. So then your body is flushing out what it thinks is going to rebalance it, but it pushes both the sodium and the water out. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're going to end up losing sodium. And yeah. this is the problem with people who drink too much water in races. Um, actually, it tends to be the very salty sweaters. They tend to uh, drink a huge amount of water, need to pee all the time. They're sweating as well. It's a vicious cycle. They just end up losing more and more sodium. Where, whereas if you if you drink a strong electrolyte solution or milk, bizarrely, um, they found that it's actually 50% more hydrating than pure water. What does that mean? It means that 50% more of the liquid is going to stay in your body. So if you're in an environment where you've got limited water, like on a run or like in an aircraft, um, then you're going to be able to use that liquid more efficiently and it's going to stay in your body. So that's why um, electrolyte solutions are really good for keeping you hydrated. Um, what's talk just a little bit about isotonic drinks and hypertonic drinks. So, so um, there that would be where um, the the osmolality. So, wh- what's within these drinks um, would be uh, either stronger than your body fluids or, or at the same level. Um, certainly, what you what you um, what you need to to care about over time when you're when you're when you're exercising for a long period of time is that you would need um to optimize your your water intake and you need to optimize your electrolyte intake like your sodium and you need to optimize your carb intake now ideally you want to manage all three of those things separately to to have because everybody's a little bit bit different in their physiology Um, so whatever drinks that you're taking it doesn't really matter as long as you have planned out your levels of each of those so you might know okay I lose a liter of fluid per hour because I've done the sweat rate test and I lose a thousand milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat and therefore, I need to have a kind of like moderate level of, you know, like maybe a, about a thousand milligrams per liter in my fluid so that you're replacing uh, the same concentration of what goes out, what goes in. You're, again, you're never going to be able to replace everything in terms of sodium and, and fluid, but you're, you're, you're at least um, drinking something that has the hu- same concentration as what you're losing. It's the same with carbs. Like you can't really absorb more than s- about 60, 70 grams of, of carbs uh, per, per hour. Um, and, and therefore, um, if you're taking a drink that is really high in carbs and, and has some electrolytes, but it's very, very low level, then you would end up having to drink huge amounts of that drink to get the level of electrolytes mm-hmm. you need. And then you take uh, too many carbs 
and you may as you're running you might see some flat coke as well and then you drink the, f the the coke and then that just gives you way too many carbs in your stomach and and if you have too many carbs in your stomach it will suck in the water into your stomach and you'll get this kind of sloshy stomach and you'll feel really bad and there's plenty of people who who have too many carbs on a run they end up vomiting um and and just feeling really really bad so you need to manage all those things separately and um however whatever you take to do it whatever you figured out that's what you that's what you should take so you have to just manage it so it's not good enough just to go in and go there's an isotonic drink which is this, this iso the same as what my yeah. body should have or i'm an extra sweaty person so i need a hypertonic you need to you need to actually understand a bit more than that. It, it it depends what you're doing. If you're just doing a 5k or a 10k, it's fine. But if you are actually doing um, half marathon, marathon, um, Ironman in a challenging environment like the Middle East, you should just be able to think about it in a more smart way. So you should know the sodium concentration of whatever drink you're taking and 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 it shows it on all the electrolytes you can just see on the labels yeah it's like yeah. A, so for example like a parade it'll say it'll always say sodium milligrams right um and and you can see so for example this one will be a thousand per per liter you need to do a bit of calculations as to how many tablets or whatever go into the go into a liter of water yeah um but yeah, so something like um, Aqualite would be, I think, 125 um, milligrams. Something like Goo might be 325. Um, and then uh, you you would have these that are up so they're, to they're 1,500. Yeah. They, they are substantially higher. Yeah. And that's why, because they are designed for people who are losing a lot of sweat dur during a race. So for most people, um, this, this 1,000 milligram per liter tablet would be enough for long-term yeah. um, long races long training so if you're doing anything more than an hour you would probably take this and you would just drink it like you would drink normal water so you you drink to thirst effectively if you feel thirsty you drink if you don't feel thirsty you can always pour water over your head and just cool yourself down you don't have to drink too much but that's where the training comes in is what does drinking to thirst mean how do i know when i'm thirsty you just have to to get used to what your get used to what your body is is telling you in that regard so you might um if you were doing a race on a bicycle um and you might be out there for four hours you might have one um one container that has uh electrolyte solution and then you might have another uh, bottle that has uh, maybe your carb gels dissolved in it um, or you maybe just have some pure water or you might have two bottles of electrolytes it doesn't really matter it's it's what feels right to you and and that comes through trying different things and training obviously you should never try a new electrolyte regime mm -hmm. on the day of the race so it's a, it's a key part of training is learning what works for for you and then the um, the the final strength, um, you would either use this this stronger tablet. So again, this one is fifty percent stronger again than than the one thousand. So it's it's fifteen hundred. You would, um, if you're a very salty sweater, 
So if, if Caroline was just off the charts in terms of her, her sweat sodium loss. We shall see very yeah. soon. And very, let's have a look. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've got a bit of time to go. And, uh, and, and she's always suffering from cramps. We might say, okay, in a race, you need to take these stronger tablets in, in your water and drink that the whole way through the race. So Andy, the guy who invented this, he would just take these tablets because he's losing 800 milliliters of, uh, of sodium per liter. Now, this may seem like a lot of sodium, but if you look at Campbell's soup, uh, that has about 300 milligrams per liter. Like, soup is insanely salty. Yeah. Um, is that because they use salt as a, almost as a preservative? Yeah, it's part of that, but also um, I think just the taste. Mm. They've realized that people love the taste of salty soup and people do not realize how salty these things are. Same with ready meals that you can get in supermarkets. Um, you can, you can once you become aware of, of sodium levels, you can you can look on the, on the packet and a, a nice bacon sandwich or something might mm. be 2,300 milligrams of sodium and you're like wow you know I, I sodium I'm not avoiding sodium but I'm also not putting ridiculously high levels of sodium in my mm. body especially as if we go back to what we discussed prior to this where if you're an elite athlete or you're training for an event then sodium is your friend if you're a couch potato and you're <laughs> living a very sedentary life then you need to be cautious of how how much sodium you're really taking in from other like artificial processed foods yeah so you should always eat healthily but the more healthily you eat the more you should be aware that you may need to add a little bit of salt into your diet um just like a sprinkle on on your kale or whatever Mm. so that so that you're not depleting yourself especially in this environment air conditioning living in dubai even if you're a couch potato, you are sweating yeah. more than if well, you live in a cold country like just England. Just so people who are just listening understand, Dubai in the summer can get to, I don't know what this is in Fahrenheit. But C, 50 right? d- f- yeah, 55 it's degrees. Between so 110, 120 yeah. Fahrenheit. So... As a normal person living in Dubai, when you leave an office or you leave a building, everything's air-conditioned. So you're going to walk from, say, your home to your car, and within literally two minutes, right, guys, you are dripping in sweat, dripping in sweat. Within about 25, 30 seconds. Yeah, and then your car. Carrying a backpack. Yeah, and your car, like, you get into your car and it's boiling hot and you turn on the ac and five minutes later and, and you're dripping in sweat yeah, your brow literally. Is sweating and yeah. yeah your pores are open. i i remember when i first moved here i um i thought that i i was living on one end of jbr jumara beach residence and working on the other end and it's like a one one and a half k walk and i was like yeah i can do this to work in the middle of the summer and i remember getting one and a half k's later walking at a really slow pace and every inch of my clothing was damp was so wet because it was it's like 45 50 degrees during the day it's really it's really warm so so people understand when you're training for a triathlon in this type of weather or you're running or you're training for any type of event in in the climate that makes you sweat this much then it's really important to be mindful of that and that probably applies to most of the middle east in the summer mm-hmm. and north africa right? yeah and Cal- any, any hot temperature california southern europe yeah. it's all it's all um super hot so the the other reason that you would take the strong electrolyte solution is for preloading and this is for anybody so if you're running a big race you can um 
store a little bit of, of extra sodium for about 24 hours. Um, and the idea of that is so that during the race, you're always going to gradually get depleted in sodium. But if you can start from a nice high level, then it's going to take longer before you hit the danger zone. So you would take a, a, a tablet of this before you go to bed the night before and then maybe another one in the morning of your race and that will stop you from uh, getting uh, getting too depleted during the race. And again, remember we were talking about your blood plasma volume. So uh, there's been some nice studies that show if you start off with a nice high blood plasma volume through uh, sodium supplementation, then again, it's going to help you deliver the oxygen to the blood, um, uh, in your blood to your muscles. Um, it's going to help to uh, push the blood to your skin so you can cool down all the things that you want in a race. So that's why um, having a stronger supplement just before you start the race and the night before, that's going to really help you throughout, throughout the race. The other reason that you might want to have a couple just in your, in your pocket is to just blast the cramps with sodium again there's been some interesting studies where they showed that if you take two three thousand milligrams of sodium at the point of getting a really bad cramping attack uh you can just blast it away really? yeah i didn't know that mm. and um so again two three thousand milligrams um that's fairly intense like you wouldn't want to take six seven eight milligram thousand uh, milligrams of sodium but uh, say two of these tablets, say two, two to 3,000 milligrams, you take a couple of the tablets, drink some water. Hopefully, if the cramping sodium related, you, uh, you will feel much better mm -hmm. after 10 minutes and you can carry on the race and it may just save your race. Yeah. So Steve, just off air briefly, we spoke about coconut water. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to remind you, can you explain to everybody your thoughts on that? Okay. Uh, coconut water is fine if you are just sitting at home and you are not dehydrated. But you should never use coconut water to rehydrate yourself. And you should especially never use coconut water as uh, your hydration drink of choice during a race. The reason is, is that coconut water is very high in potassium and very low in sodium. Okay. And when your body gets dehydrated, you end up being very high in potassium and very low in sodium. Mm. So effectively, coconut water is like a dehydrated body. And by drinking more of it, you're kind of just dehydrating your body further. Um, and even worse, if you are literally downing those big like litre cartons of, of so coconut yummy. water. I do that all the um, time. <laughs> People have died like in the New York Marathon. People have died because you, um, if you have very high levels of potassium, it can disrupt the electrical systems of your heart, which is obviously a bad idea. Mm. So uh, you get something called hyperkalemia, which is just very high potassium. This is, um, I know to go down a very morbid route, but this is how when you euthanize an animal, you euthanize them with potassium? Yeah, so correct? so just the, you don't want to be euthanizing <laughs> yourself with yeah, coconut I'm water. Yeah, I'm just, I wanted to be clear on that. That's that's how you euthanize animals? Sure, that's one, one way you can do it. So, so um, you really don't want to have too high levels of potassium. So I would say during a race, 
just don't touch coconut water. If you're out in the desert on a, on a trip and you're sweating a lot, I wouldn't drink coconut water. If you're recovering from a race, um, and again, hydration is really important after the race, then don't drink coconut okay, water. Okay, so my next question is briefly, you said before that some of the other electrolytes included potassium. Why is that then when something is too high in potassium, does it not count as an electrolyte as well? Or? So so the, the four main electrolytes, sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, um, of those, the one where you're most likely to get depleted and to sweat out your whole recommended daily allowance of, of that electrolyte is sodium because it could happen within um, four hours of exercise or maybe even less. If you sweat out more than one liter an hour, then it could be less than four hours. The The next one is is calcium where maybe in about five hours you could sweat that out. But if you have a, a healthy diet, you know, maybe if you're a vegan you could think and you're doing an Ironman, you could think about some kind of supplementation if you're not drinking milk or other strong sources of calcium. If you really want to with an Ironman, yeah, you can take a calcium tablet every day in the, in the week before the race. Um, but when it comes to potassium and magnesium, I think you'd have to sweat out about 15 liters of potassium before you became deficient. So it's just, it's very difficult to become deficient in potassium during an Ironman. Um, it's like three or four times harder than, than sodium. And and that's why your potassium levels might start to really build up to dangerous levels if you were glugging coconut water. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so so it's uh, it's just not not worth it. But um, what you do drink after a race is very important for rehydration. So you don't feel terrible the next day. You don't have a uh, headache. You don't feel really lethargic. Um, so so drinking an electrolyte solution immediately after the race, slowly over the course of thirty minutes is important. What happens is that the, remember we were talking about the three fluid compartments of the body, intracellular, extracellular, and, and the blood. It's the extracellular compartment, which is the fluid surrounding your tissues and your cells. That's what gets sacrificed to preserve the other two, because the other two are more important. So after a race, you may start peeing again, you may feel fine, um, but you can still be dehydrated because that extracellular compartment has been sacrificed to maintain your blood fluid volume and maintain the water, the fluid in your cells. Um, so if you rehydrate properly, then you can rehydrate that compartment and everything will feel good the next day. If you're rehydrating with coconut water, again, it's not really going to help. It'll help a bit, but, uh, but what you really need is the sodium and the water. Um, so, and the same with yoga, actually, it was the same with Bikram yoga. Mm -hmm. um, if you are doing one, two, especially if you're an instructor, if you're doing one, two plus hours of very hot, sweaty yoga, um, you really should be taking some kind of electrolyte solution and not drinking coconut water. Let's, uh, I think yeah. we've got enough of a, a sweat sample here Amazing. Uh, Let's have to, a look. to test you. Should I hold that? So the little blue circle has now filled up a lot of the disc. Don't worry, I'm not going to inject you. No, People get scared of needles. Steve just pulled out a syringe, put it into the end of the little tube, and I guess you're going to suck it out yeah. into the syringe. And what are going to do with this? With that, once it's out of the syringe, does it go into this machine? Yeah. So you can see. 
this is Caroline's sweatshirt. We've got a yeah. lovely sample of scraps <laughs> that she can take away and keep for later. So, okay, just cutting the bottom of the line. So now it's free of the disc. And then that goes... Is that, how's that, Caroline? Yeah, good. It's fine. Oh, yeah, it is. Look how sweaty that Grab is. Grab the mic there. Oh. Grab the microphone. Yeah, very sweaty. On that little circle. Yeah, on this, like I can feel it. It's, so for starters, it's red. I've got a red little circle on my forearm, and then it's really, um, it's really moist. Yeah, you just start sweating in that one spot. <laughs> yeah, it's very bizarre. And it fills up that little tube. <coughs> so Steve's just hooking it up to a little contraption there. Yeah, I'm quite curious. Yeah, I could have done with this little tip <laughs> tips before cr cramping in uh, in 2016 because that was a good hour and ha half of walking I ended up doing because my calves just did not work. Well, are you still thinking of uh, doing another race with me? <laughs> yeah. If Should we do something else? Uh, now that you're all hydrated up, you know what you're, yes. you're, you're ready to go. It, yeah. Just uh, just give me enough warning if we're going to decide to do a marathon. Cause it's no, I think we need to start with a half marathon first uh, or like something. I want to do a half marathon or a baby triathlon. A baby triathlon. Yeah, baby, baby. How you, how you're a good swimmer, eh? Um, what used to be. I haven't swum in a really long time. Well, that's my downfall, the swimming. How's that going, Steve? Okay, so um, what this is doing is it's measuring the amount of sodium in your sweat in this device. Uh, so it's testing the conductivity of this solution. And I would say that you are in the the kind of like medium high high yeah medium high category so you're actually quite a salty sweater oh wow and um yeah, i would say you are definitely higher than average wow i didn't and, know that and this would mean mm -hmm. that now what does that mean on a day-to-day -day basis it, it doesn't matter right it, it doesn't affect your diet mm -hmm. or or how you perform or anything like that it is important to know if you started to do endurance races again that you you would lose more sodium than mm -hmm. the average person then it comes down to how sweaty you are i think mm -hmm. you you said you're kind of like moderately sweaty you're not mm -hmm. particularly sweaty um so um if you were a very sweaty person and you had quite a high sweat so concentration then you'd need to be very careful i think you need to be moderately careful about Ooh. how much uh, <laughs> how much sodium you're losing mm -hmm. especially if you started running for like two three four hours if mm -hmm. you were doing a marathon uh, even a half marathon you should make sure in in this these kind of hot conditions in mm -hmm. dubai you should be careful about that now if you just hold that yeah i'm gonna ask you a question in a second steve that i know caroline's wondering and that's how does this affect recovery or healing? <laughs> if, Everything if, comes back to that, battle, doesn't it? Which is a good question. It's 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 important. So, um, when when it comes to just general body recovery and healing from surgery, I would say this doesn't affect it. This is mm. your sweat. This is your skin mechanisms. Um, it, it's only important when you are doing long periods of exercise. Um, it may be that uh, on a plane or in a really dry office environment that you may find yourself getting 
more dehydrated um, and that if you have a particularly low sodium diet you may want to just occasionally you know, sprinkle some Himalayan salt on things and again not excessive amounts just just a small sprinkle just so that you have um, adequate sodium levels mm. but really you're not going to notice these things until you start doing extreme distances so like you know half marathon marathon and, and above um, that's that's really or if you if you were a firefighter or you were a soldier there's still time <laughs> yeah i think i hear you you put in your application to be a soldier right oh yeah um then <laughs> oh, onwards <laughs> and upwards <laughs> then you would need to take it seriously mm -hmm. but in your in your daily life sitting and doing podcasts then you don't need <laughs> to worry too much about it. Mm -hmm. You don't need to change what you're doing, mm -hmm. except if you're doing another 10K, you know, it's always going to help make sure you're hydrated beforehand. Do you have an electrolyte solution on hand? If you're doing a lot of sweaty yoga, um, the same before, during and after, just make sure your hydration is okay. Do you suffer from cramp, Caroline? No, never. But I, I can do a lot of yoga and not really sweat that much. Um, but yeah, I... No, I don't really ever have cramps. I just have other types of pain <laughs> associated <Yeah. laughs> with my injuries, really. With all that stuff. Yeah. Hey, what else on that, Steve? So, so your your sweat sodium concentration is about thirteen hundred milligrams mm. of sodium per liter of sweat. Mm -hmm. The average person is about. 950 970 maybe it's so i don't really take any supplements but on hand and ad hoc i do take potassium compound salts okay d would that affect that um it depends what concentration you're taking like i think it's mm. not it's not going to the the sweat sodium concentration is kind of genetically determined oh, okay so it based on the protein structures of mm. your sweat glands um, so it's it's going to be relatively constant over your lifetime, mm -hmm. um, but if you were taking a lot of potassium, uh, it may exacerbate the symptoms that mm. you see during a long race. Mm. That's as bad as it gets. What about people who take magnesium to sleep? That's fine. Um, so magnesium is an important electrolyte, um, and uh, again, I sometimes you can even absorb magnesium more effectively through your skin and and have like an epsom salts bath mm -hmm. uh, magnesium sulfate and and get your magnesium that way um but uh again you're gonna have to have a pretty bad diet to be really deficient in it and and you would have to sweat a huge amount bad diet you mean like fast food diet or vegan veg vegetarian no fast food diet okay. there's plenty of of plant-based sources of magnesium mm. the uh you'd have to sweat out a lot to be deficient in magnesium through sweating it's only really sodium that you're gonna you're gonna become deficient in because you're sweating and that's therefore the one that you have to really focus on supplementation when you are doing something sweaty like running for four mm. plus hours um so so for you i would say you would take a, a kind of like i'm orange um, yeah you you would take the the, the thousand mm -hmm. milligram tablet so um, when we do our race next i have yeah. a bunch of them okay amazing. and uh and then you could take the um the stronger tablet for 
preloading the night before. Mm. But again, if you're just doing a 10K, you can probably get away with it. Some people are very sensitive to Unless cramping. it's like 40 degrees when you're doing it. Yeah. If it's very hot and you're ten you have a tendency to cramp and you're sweaty and you have a high sweat sodium concentration, then you need to be really on top of your electrolyte su- uh, supplementation. Um, if you just never get cramps and you always feel fine after a 10K, you don't have to worry about it so much. It's just good practice. Again, mm. it's marginal gains. Mm-hmm. Right? It's how the British cycling team did so well mm. is it's just the aggregation of marginal gains one percent one percent one percent one percent and therefore making sure that you are properly hydrated the, n- the day before the race and the morning of the race um, and then during the race and then after the race it means you're going to be on peak form mm-hmm. awesome. amazing okay. cool. where can people get in touch with you for the physiology stuff it's om life yeah so uh, my website is omlifeme.com so that's om life me.com and uh, or they can go to precision hydration and learn more about the sweat test uh, and the supplements and then they can uh, that will also lead back to me in the middle east awesome well that's been really brilliant to kind of learn a lot Mm -hmm. to learn there i didn't know a lot about that so we'll listen back to this and take your advice cool thanks so much steve thank you guys see you next time thanks a lot bye